Hello there and a very warm welcome to Des's Island Discs. In a hectic world, this is a little oasis of calm and nostalgia from our guests who choose pieces of music that remind them of a particular time or story from their life or career. Now, if you're listening on podcast, we cannot play the music because of copyright laws. But really, this is about stories. So let's hear them. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Today's guest telling the story behind their musical memories is a Dubliner who's enjoying huge international success now as a multi-award winning crime novelist. It's a pleasure to welcome Liz Nugent. And Liz, given you've had a series of number one best-selling books, most people do know your work. But for those who don't, let me share this with them. No less than Graham Norton recently spoke to Ortiz Rick O'Shea about Little Cruelties, Liz's latest book. And Graham Norton says, Liz Nugent grabs you by the scruff of the neck and drags you through a plot, your little feet flopping. He says, the gift of hooking a reader and keeping them hooked is so rare, but Liz has it. That was a hell of a tribute, wasn't it? I know. And from Graham Norton. And yeah. really, I was actually listening to that live. I was watching that live. Okay. So um, on Ricochet's book club group. And um, yeah, I nearly fell off my chair. I yeah. nearly collapsed in a heap because I, I actually started I was like palpitating. I had to go out and have a <laughs> glass of wine and a cigarette to calm myself down. So I missed like just when he started, when he picked up my book, I I just I went into shock and yeah. I didn't hear anything he said. So it was only until I watched it later that I heard that he actually said it was good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, I was absolutely thrilled. But but when he talks about grabbing you by the scruff of the neck and dragging you through a plot, my wife was saying that's what she loves so much about the books. They open with the kind of dramatic lines and, 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 and drag you through there. But but the another line I read about Little Cruelties, which is kind of funny, is anyone with a dysfunctional family should read Little Cruelties. It'll make them feel better about their own families. So, <laughs> because there is that that darker side, which I know you're often asked about. But but the characters, your your lead characters, all tend to have a, a dark side to them. Oh, they're pretty awful. Yeah, I write about sort of middle class, seemingly. Um, outwardly respectable people who behave abominably in their private lives. Yeah. Do you know people like that? I know you don't know killers, but... Uh, I do. <laughs> do <you? laughs> I do. I've, I've met a few in my time. Uh, I, I think they're all around us. Um, and I think the fact that they're middle class means that they get away with it a lot more. That's interesting. Yeah. Do you base any of the characters on people you know? Or are they all... Generic, general? Um, no, not particularly. Um, I think when we get to my third song choice, I can talk about that a little. Okay. But um, there's nobody in particular. There, there are situations, like, for example, um, because the whole Harvey Weinstein thing was coming out mm -hmm. around the time I was writing this book, there's one character that is very loosely based. He's not as bad as Harvey Weinstein. He's not actually a rapist, but he's loosely based on somebody who abuses a position of power who works in the film industry. Uh, yeah, well, anyway, it, it, there is power of kind of ele elements in all of them and Unraveling Oliver, which was your, your big su success, your initial success, also is kind of, there's a power thing in that as well, isn't there? Yes, yeah. We, we, there's a power dynamic in, yeah. in all of the relationships, yeah. In, yeah. a, in all of the books. 
And do they happen, are they in every relationship, do you think? I, ha um, I haven't thought about this now, I'm just asking you. Well, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're not in mine. I mean, I have a, a very equal uh, relationship with my husband or else I wouldn't be with him. But um, I have observed um, dynamics between other couples and I've seen a lot of one partner trying to humour another partner. I've seen a lot of that. And, you know, that kind of upsets me, you know, mm, yeah. and I'm not saying that it's always the man who is the dominant one. Often it's it's the woman and the man is running rings around trying to please her or it's the other way around where the woman is trying to uh, placate the man all the time yeah. and make things easy for him and, you know, smooth the way for him. And, you know, it kind of disturbs me, but it's everywhere. I've seen it a lot. Yeah, when you, um, I too have tried to placate your husband. Uh, I should share with the listeners that your husband and I are work colleagues and at the at the London Olympics for I don't know, 20, <laughs> 22 days in a row, we had to get the bus together at 4am. So we'd meet in a hotel room corridor at 3.35am after three and a half hours sleep and we had to cohabitate for the for the time. And we got on famously, I have to say, which was a real test of a relationship. But anyway, let's go to your first music choice, Liz Nugent. And it's Frank Sinatra. Yeah. My dad was a huge Frank Sinatra fan. And um, when I was seven years old, I had brain hemorrhage and I came out of it fairly damaged. I had a condition called dystonia, which wasn't diagnosed, I think, for another, you know, 20 years. It meant that one of my legs didn't work properly. And my dad just refused to sort of accept this. So he used to play this song and put my feet on his feet and dance me around the room. And uh, so the song for me is associated with the love I have for my dad and the love he had for me. But I must say a caveat because for the first time this week, I listened to the lyrics. I'd never actually listened to the lyrics before. And um, I'm kind of shocked to find it's quite a racist song. I mean, it's obviously about a black man and lots of black tropes. And in the week that we've had with um, the Black Lives yes. Matter being to the fore, it's kind of tainted the song a little bit for me. But I chose it um, without As the memory. Yeah, of course, yeah. Because of the memory, and yeah. I associate the song with love, but I don't think I'll be playing it much after this. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. I mean, to suffer a brain hemorrhage as a child, was what, a, what a dreadful thing to happen and, and, and an impact. And it came, was it a bit of recklessness on your part? Yeah, I, I was a disobedient child and I had been told not to slide down the banisters and of course I uh, disobeyed and um, slid down the banisters, missed and landed on my head in the hall. And, and, and the consequences yeah, the consequences of that then, the dystonia, I, uh, a lot of us mightn't be fully aware of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I mean, most doctors aren't aware of it, in fact. Um, uh, and even in the, depart in the Department of Neurology, it's, it's quite a specialisation. But it's um, it's when the muscle tone in your body doesn't the messages don't get through to the brain. So the 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 direction you want your leg to go in, for example, doesn't necessarily follow 
what the brain is telling it to do. And um, your my right arm and my right leg would regularly go into spasm. So I have to take a lot of medication for that. Yeah, and you've you, you've had to deal with it for most of your life, obviously. So. Yeah, and I had a particularly bad accident in uh, November. So I spent uh, November, December, and January of this year in mm. in in hospital. I read that. So yeah. So I yeah. came out and I had freedom for a month, and then it was lockdown. <laughs> So uh, how are you dealing oh, with that's a long time that's a lot to deal with. Yeah, uh, I'm okay because I've I've um in the beginning it was kind of hard to write because of the medication and it was really affecting that but I've just completed the first draft of a play. Um that might sound really optimistic <laughs> in terms of theater and where theater is now but it's um it's scheduled to be put on in September 2021. So um Hopefully, fingers crossed, and I can't imagine there'd be any reason why not theatres can't be back to normal by then. Sure. So hopefully, um, yeah, it'll go on. Is the play going to be similar to the books in terms of uh, No, style? no, no. It's, it's, it's quite a departure for me. It's, um, it's a comedy drama. I've, I've always wanted to write uh, something more comic. But because I'm known as a crime writer and a writer of quite dark novels, it's very hard once you've made a name for yourself to go and write something completely different because the readers, the following that you've built up would be quite disappointed if yeah. they, you know, picked up something and it, it wasn't what they have come to expect from me. So this gave me an opportunity to actually go off and do something completely different. Yeah. And do you, do you question yourself about is this funny or not? Or you know, while you're writing the comedy. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, uh, and you know, when it comes to um, getting notes back now, and the second draft is the the major note is make it funnier. Oh. So <laughs> I'm gonna have Pressure. to punch it up a bit more, uh, put more gags in, and uh, maybe. More visual comedy. See, I'm used. I'm used to writing novels. Of course. So you know, I can write as much funny dialogue as I want, but um, to maybe some visual, not slapstick necessarily. Yeah. I mean, it's not that type of thing. It's not. It's a not farce. a farce. No. Yeah. It's not a farce, but it's um, it's a comedy drama, and it needs to be funnier. And you know, um, Anne Clark is producing it for Landmark Productions, yeah. and she's extremely astute. So, yeah, I'll take her, I'll take her lead and follow her notes. It's a tough line to send anyone, make it funnier, you know, make it better. It's um, anyway, good luck mm. with good luck with that. And and do you have anyone to bounce ideas off? Do you or do you just send them back when you've um, written them? Well, Richard, the aforementioned husband, yeah. um, uh, not alone does he cut my hair now, but he reads my scripts and gives me feedback. So, you know, even in the first uh, draft, he... I can't imagine, uh, you know, going to a loved one with a draft of something you've written, you know, for critical advice. It's a bit like teaching one of the family to drive. You know, it's far easier uh, be blunt. When, I don't want blunt. You know, I want, oh, no, yeah. like with the books, I would never like with the books. I give them to, to Richard first and he would always come back and tell me it was brilliant. But if I wanted a real opinion, I'd send it to my older brother, Peter, who would come back and be absolutely merciless. 
about, you know, what he thought was rubbish, usually most of it. And um, you, you need to find a middle ground person there, it seems yeah, to me. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Mm. I've always, I've always sent it to to my oldest brother, but, you know, I think maybe I'll pick another brother or, nor, or another <laughs> sister this time. <laughs> There's a lot of people write, and you'd be aware of that, because one of the great successes or strengths of your books is the book club factor, because they the characters make... There's a lot of talking points in the book, in yeah. the books, and therefore, I, and that's commercially successful as well. I presume, obviously, and and it's helped with your international success. But in 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 doing that, do, do you get do you read the reviews that ordinary people put up? Because there's a lot of book review sites. Would you read those reviews? Um, I try. I, I used to. I'm getting out of the habit now yeah. because. Marion Keyes just said, "Don't bother." She said, "Don't. You'll just destroy yourself because you'll only thinking, remember. Yeah. You only remember the bad ones. Yeah. Like you don't. You you know you you might get you know like eighty five percent four and five stars, but the the ones that you really read are the one star reviews, yeah. and they can they can affect your confidence and they can stop you moving forward in your in your writing. So there's there's really no point. And I think if you believe the five star ones, well then you should believe the one star ones as yeah. well. So it really does no good. I mean well, the ultimate um, review is is on the shelves, what's that number one and number two and number three? And that's probably yeah, the ultimate way yeah. to look. But a lot of those people I, I, I imagine, you know, like to write and, and the dog be afraid. I'd love to write, but I'd be afraid to try. But your story in a way is encouragement for a lot of people because you know, you you wrote short stories and and you worked and your success didn't come instantly as a, as a young woman. No, I was forty five um, when Unraveling Oliver was published. I'm fifty two now, so yeah, four books in six years, and lucky enough that um, all of them were number one bestsellers and have been commercial successes and, and mostly critical successes as well. Yeah. But um, that's why I would say to anybody, it's never too late to start. If you have an idea about a change of career or about doing something, just start it. Like with writing, really, there's nothing to stop you because it's free for a start. You don't need anything. You need a pen and paper. You don't need anything to start writing. And for people who say, I don't have the time well, you know, I wrote Unraveling Oliver while I was doing an extremely pressurised full-time job. So, you know, I just found the time. I worked on my holidays, on my weekends, on, you know, the odd evening here and there. And it took me six or seven years. But I think if there's a book in you, it will come out of you. So um, uh, I, I wonder about all these people who have decided to write books during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, during, you know, when they have all this free time. Um, I just wonder if if there was a book in you, you wouldn't have waited for the free time. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, good luck to them. I hope it works. But, you know, if if you really wanted to write a book, there was nothing to stop you in the first place. Good advice. OK. Your second musical choice, Liz Nugent, um, is, it struck me as unusual. Twelfth Night is what I know it from. If music be the food of love, play on. Yeah, um, I suppose it, that's a, a, in tribute to Richard, our aforementioned husband. We seem to be talking a lot about him. We love um, Richie. <laughs> yeah, when I first met him, he was working for Bill Whelan in his studio in Randstone, Connemara. And he, I kind of knew him as a musician because he loved to play the piano and he, he had 
you know, nine or ten musical instruments and he could play them all to varying degrees of, of uh, ability. But um, he loved to play the piano and he had been uh, a choir singer. Now, you know, I was girl least likely to marry a choir boy, but <laughs> there, I, then that's what happened. I ended up marrying this choir boy and he well, He's had, not your typical choir boy, I should point out, in fairness to him. He's not, he's <laughs> not. But, you know, if, if you actually meet choral singers, um, they're, they're not what you expect, <laughs> in my experience. But um, he um, wanted to find uh, this piece of music because he wanted to learn how to play it on the piano. So I tracked it down and I got the sheet music for him and he learned to play this on the piano. So I just selected the King Singers, the Cambridge Choir, to, um, to this recording of If Music Be the Fruit of Love from Twelfth Night, as you say, by Henry Purcell. It's um, I'm I'm not a musical expert, so I shouldn't. But it's a complicated piece, and the the harmonies, etc., in it are. It's stunning. Yeah, mm. it's really, it's quite a feat of music. And when you think this is a 17th century composer, without all of the electronic aids that that Richard would use in his day job, um, you know, it's quite extraordinary what can be done with voice. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That's the King Singers, If Music Be the Food of Love, play on the choice of today's guest, award-winning crime novelist Liz Nugent. Uh, your, your third song, you said, we'd come back to refer to Stars by Janice Ian for a reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah because you, you asked me earlier on, was, was there any um, particular uh, person that... that the, would feature in your as a character in your book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, this song was an inspiration for the book. Um, I've chosen the Janicean version of this because the song is about the fleeting nature of celebrity and the dangers of celebrity and, you know, what you can go through in desperation to be famous and the pitfalls and... Um, all of the, all of the you know having to change your name or you know having to change your look or you know um, if you're a woman particularly the way you're expected to dress or if you know the way you're expected to dance and all of these things that come with um, being uh, a pop star or a musical star and there's a character in Our Little Cruelties who is very like that who becomes a pop star way too young and um, suffers addiction problems and, and mental health problems, not uh, directly as a result of this, but they certainly are exacerbated by becoming ridiculously loop, famous yeah, and yeah. ridiculously rich too young. So this, this song, I suppose, could be about Amy Winehouse. It could be about Nina Simone. Nina Simone does a particularly brilliant version of this song mm. when she's out of her mind at the Montreux Jazz Festival in 1976. It's worth looking up on I, YouTube. Would you believe I looked it up? I read I, I read you refer to it in an interview yeah. and I looked it up where she tells the woman to sit down and yeah. she shouts at a woman in the middle of the song. Yeah, It's the most compelling thing. Mm. Like She forgets the lyrics and she goes into another song but mm. it's really compelling because the camera just stays in her face and you can just see how lost and confused she is. And how celebrity has absolutely destroyed her. Um, yeah, there are a lot of victims to celebrity, isn't there? People kind of end, there are so many magazines, glossy magazines about celebrity, 
And these sure. t- these TV programs where young people are becoming famous for you know going in, going onto an island or into a house or whatever. Yeah, I know, I know. And the, I, the you know, I I think I think they're morally dubious. I have to say. Yeah. Um, I don't really watch any of them. I used to, I watched Big Brother when it first came out because it was such an exciting experiment. But um, but there's a compelling element to watching them as well, though the interaction, isn't there? And the breakdown of relationships or the the simple breakdown of relationships. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't really watch them anymore, to be yeah. honest. So I'm, I'm sort of not really aware of them. But, you know, I know they give people loads of pleasure, so I'm not dissing them. You know, loads of people really rave about them and really enjoy them and, and good for them. But I, I just think um, it's a, a lot weird, of times... It's, it's a weird kind of pleasure, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is, particularly <laughs> when they choose people um, who are who are designed to be in conflict with each other. Yeah. You know, yeah. they put people in there who are designed to clash with each other. Yes. Um, you know, it's so manipulated. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, well, that, it's a that, strange one. That means all the more reason we'll listen, we'll listen to the words closely of Stars by Janice Ian. But look, and it's a long, it's a long track, but, but to listen to the lyrics are key. But just before we finish up then, Liz, so yeah. the, the play then for September 2021. <laughs> yeah. This hilarious Fingers play. Crossed. I'm going to write in the in the comments underneath. Hilarious exclamation mark. <laughs> right, it's only the first draft come in. By the time it's finished, it could well be a tragedy, and everybody dies in the end. So far yeah. in the first draft, mm-hmm. nobody is dead. No, yeah. But anything could change. It's only your first draft. Yeah, but you no, never know. Nobody has corpse to laughing either. I'm afraid. <laughs> Make it funnier. Oh yeah, that's the ultimate review. Okay, Liz, you should be the pleasure chatting with you. Um, continued success to you. I'm delighted it's going so well for you, and it's a it's a fantastic story of success. This whirlwind from the age of 45 on. Congratulations, <laughs> congratulations, to you Thanks on a million for waiting there. So we'll we'll play out then with the choice of Liz Nugent, stars by Janice Ian. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio One.